Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan, and we're excited to be getting into the the, the meat of season two now. Uh, we had a great couple episodes kicking off season two. Uh, kicked it off with Jeff Die with that first episode. Had Mr. Sam Talent on episode two, which was a, a wonderful uh, chat with I mean I think a different a pretty different perspective from Sam Talent probably different from any other podcast we've done so if you're looking for something and uh, maybe an outside perspective this that's a good guy good episode to check out absolutely actually a great time Drew to get into callbacks so what's something specifically you took away from our interview with Sam you know I, I maybe this is a little personal to me something I want to get better at I love the fact that his history kind of he did start in improv and I think that gives him this crazy confidence to try anything on stage the guy he says in the interview at one point he's like look I'm either going to kill or I'm going to bring this show down with me and I love that idea that like I'm going to commit so hard to these bits uh, I'm not going to pull back I'm going I'm give them, giving giving 100% of my effort. And I just like, I love that. Cause I'm not great. I'm trying to get better at the performance side of things and, and adding act outs in. And he is just, he owns that does such a good job. If you watch the clip that we, we broke down, he's excellent at that. Um, and his, his actions are just as funny as his punchlines. It's powerful. Couldn't agree more. I took away something similar uh, and it was very personal to me, uh, although it might not look like it. I actually am a big fan of fish and the Grateful Dead. And he referenced them as uh, a source of, you know, each show, they play the same music. They've done thousands of shows, but each show is a little bit different where they have tapers that come to the show and they've got a fan base that just wants to listen to each song and see what might be a little different. What that's helped me with is telling the same jokes over and over again. And sometimes you have the same audience members and, you know, I'm, I get in my own head about they're you know, they're not going to laugh at this, but they will because they like to hear the hits. And they certainly will if you can make each joke just a little bit subtly different uh, each time. And so kind of helped me get out of my own head with some of those those fears and thoughts about doing the same material in it day in and day out. Yeah, great episode. Sam Talent. He, he's his point. Like I said, his point of view is a little different. You're going to hear him say some things that you don't hear a lot of comedians say. A lot of great industry uh, perspective from him as someone who's really, uh, in his words, you know, really done everything kind of the hard way to get all the connections. So yeah, hop on BreakingDownBits.com. You can find those episodes up at all your uh, typical. I mean, you're listening to this, so you know. Absolutely. So BreakingDownBits.com is the conduit to everything Breaking Down Bits where you can find us on in the podcast world as well as all of our YouTube videos. Another thing I want to talk about, Drew, is we had our second open mic and we're going to continue that on Tuesdays. It's been awesome. Everybody's enjoyed it. Everybody's uh, really had a great time and everybody's hilarious. Everybody's been a lot of fun that's been involved with the mic. So here's what we're going to do uh, next week. We're going to have another mic at noon Eastern. We'll open up the email. So you can email us at breakingdownbits at gmail.com uh, to take part. And that, that email will close at noon on Tuesday. And then of course we have the mic uh, Tuesday nights at 10 PM Eastern. So email us in if you want to participate in that. It has been a lot of fun and it's breakingdownbits at gmail.com. Woo. Yeah. So let's, uh, I feel like I'm. I, this is an episode I've been waiting for 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 a while. I actually had the the great pleasure to run into Sean Patton and see him at the uh, the the Comedy Cellar. I think last year, and I I left with more abs and some internal injuries because I was laughing so hard. This guy absolutely kills. His writing is awesome. So uh, let's get right into it and do a little introduction here with Mr. Sean Patton. Sean Patton is a comedian based in Los Angeles and New York by way of New Orleans. In the past, you've seen him on Just for Laughs, Comedy Central's Live at Gotham, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and Conan. 2013 also marked the release of his Comedy Central Half Hour. More recently, he's been on Ad Midnight, This Is Not Happening, Showtime's Live from South by Southwest, True TV's Comedy Knockout, and This Week at the Comedy Cellar. 
As for acting, he's appeared on IFC's Marin, Comedy Central's Inside Amy Schumer, and True TV's Those Who Can't. In 2019, he and his co-host Caitlin Cook launched their podcast Five Words on the All Things Comedy Network. Hello. You know, it's so glaringly obvious, by the way, when you watch any clips of mine that I've gotten new teeth in the past. (laughs) (laughs) It's so it's so let's just address that up front for your listeners and the next fucking uh, the rest of this podcast. It's like, wait, hold on, though. Hold on. Like going back between clips, it looks like he got punched in the fucking mouth because it does. (laughs) It does look like uh, like that, especially that Melbourne footage where it's like that was 2018. That was like two years ago, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, that's when I decided I was like, I, I, I gotta get better. I gotta get some dental, yeah, fucking work done. Because <laughs> yeah, because I just had small teeth my whole life, and I'm and I was a grinder when I sleep. Down ah. where it looked like I had just <laughs> like I wish I had a story where it was like I saw oh I, I saw a man being a terrible to a woman, and I. <laughs> And he beat my face in so she could run away and be safe. I wish God, I had a story like that. I saw a child being abducted and I dove in the van instead. And I said, take me. <laughs> and I ate all the candy that was meant for the children. <laughs> so he could never abduct children again. I wish that was a story, but instead, just decades of being fat and eating my own teeth. In my <laughs> anyway, my insecurity. Uh, yeah. just scary dreams at night, bedwetting and grinded down teeth. <laughs> Buddy, you just, I, Brian, you just named my memoir. <laughs> it's great to have you and your amazing new teeth uh, on hey, breaking yeah. down bits. How, what's that? So it's great to have you and your new teeth on the breaking down bits podcast. You are a fucking mensch. <laughs> Which is, a, which is a, if you're not Jewish, that is a positive thing. Oh, it, okay, great. It sounds very negative. It does. It does. A lot of Yiddish sounds very negative. Um, <laughs> I myself am not Jewish. Let's just get that out. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I hear I live in New York, and I'm in, and I'm, I live in New York, and I am in comedy. There you so go. You will find yourself loving some Jews in that world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, you've had quite the you. career. Uh, right off the top, we shared a podcast guest. We must have been talking to Sam about the same time. I'm going to pop up here five words with Caitlin Cook. Yeah, yeah. You got y'all been doing that for some time now. Tell tell us a little bit about the the, the show. That actually, that podcast is a. Um, you know, you're supposed to. I guess pod, podcasting is a lot like writing. Like, do what you know. I think because I've I've definitely done so. I've definitely been on some podcasts. And I almost feel bad because I talk about this. We talk about this on our podcast a lot. But like I've done podcasts before where you go on and it's like, all right, so we're going to do 10 minutes up top, just the two of us going to go over the news. And then we're going to do a five minute where our friend's going to call in as like, you know, the, the crazy lumberjack. That's his character. <laughs> chopping, he's chopping down social issues. So he's going to call in for five minutes and then we're going to do a sports segment. Then we're going to take a break. Then we're going to have you for 10 minutes and then a break and then 10 more minutes. And you're hearing all this and you're like, so you're just a radio show. (laughs) (laughs) You left, you got into the podcast world to make a radio show. Yeah. Kind of interesting. It's almost like AM radio is to podcasting. What, what like wine coolers are to start shelters. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You got to break the format. This is about conversation. And we, right. hopefully we're not, actually we got to go uh, to the lumberjack guy real fast. Let's <laughs> cut to the chopper. No. We're no. going to go live with Rob Mungle. In his- <laughs> hey. That's right. I'll, dro- I'll drop some fucking deep. Yes. He's on my show next weekend. That's awesome. Yeah. Rob, we'll get to Rob in a second. But uh, uh, yes. Yeah, but yeah, this this podcast we just um, it's a game we used to do at bars when we we're shit faced. When we we're like, Caitlin and I would always end up uh, at at bars at comedy clubs, waiting on other comedians to show up. And we start, and when they'd show up, we'd be like, "Hey, just tell us five, give us five random words from your journey here, just five, just off the top of your head." And then we try and reconstruct their journey. <laughs> um, so we just start doing that as the podcast the guest comes on they give us words we of a story we guess what the story is based on those words we're always 100 percent wrong um 
But that's the point. We don't try to be, we don't, we're not trying to actually figure out what the story is because we know they're about to tell us. Um, but uh, conversation, and it's kind of like in a conversation sandwich, you know? So, and Sam yeah. was a very interesting guest because we, A, had to do it bef- right before a show uh, in Denver out, uh, outdoors and it was fucking freezing. <laughs> and it's it's by for, far our shortest episode thus far, but still one of the more interesting oh. ones. Uh, because Sam is just a fucking, you guys were talking about him up front. I'd like to double down on your hosts, uh, praise for Sam talent listeners. That guy is a fucking Jedi and his book is unbelievable. It is so great. It is such a great piece of work. It's a masterpiece in many ways. And he himself, I've known him. I've known Sam for, you know, 10 years now. And yeah, he is that guy who what's a good way it's almost like if you were watching like uh if you went to like an underground fight <laughs> you know what i mean like an underground That's a place you could see sam talent for sure yeah. <laughs> place where he's definitely doing 10 minutes top. <laughs> <laughs> but like if you went to like an underground like fucking blood sport fight he'd be the guy who like, who like comes out and he's like Covered in spikes, <laughs> he's got like a, a leash around his neck and like his yeah. book cover. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Absolutely, that, yeah. In the sense that he's either going to murder everyone or that he's going to die at, right after the first hit. But <laughs> still, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's so yeah. good. So, yeah. t- tell us a little bit about uh, you know how how you eventually how you've initially kind of got the breaks because I mean um, came out of New Orleans, but you've done so much late night and, and comedy central way before you got, what were the steps that got you from local comedian to nationally known comedian? What, what made this made the jump there for you? Um, Well, I started in New Orleans, as you said. Yeah. And uh, which is just, I can't, I I mean, I'm drinking out of a coffee mug with a King cake on it. (laughs) I love it. I mean, I'm in, I'm in New Orleans right now. I'm at, um, I'm actually in Slidell, Louisiana for you, for you geography heads. Uh, <laughs> but I'm at my sister's place at the moment. Uh, but, um, started in New Orleans and I stayed here for way too long up top. I was here for like four and a half years before I finally left because there was a small group of comics and we, and there was a handful of us that were like really good and really passionate. And we were like, we can just do it from here. We didn't know shit. Yeah. You know, um, and I bring up, I said Rob Mungle because early on, uh, I felt like once a month, a, a crew of us would drive to Houston, which yeah. is, you know, five hours from New Orleans. We would drive to Houston to do open mics. Wow. Right. And there used to be this club in Houston. I want to say it was called the Laugh Stop. Yep. Yep. Right? And they had this open mic. It was on Monday nights. I remember that much. Um, and just to, just to date myself, uh, the first time I ever went to this open mic was a Monday night, the first Monday night, one, not, not, maybe not the first, but first couple of years that the Houston Texans existed. Oh, wow. So there was still like this new team, uh, that the the city of Houston seemed to hate at first, but (laughs) um, still still do. They're terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Because I remember so many comedians going on at this open mic and making Texan jokes, mm. you know, and it was always like Houston Texans. So what their logo is uh, a guy with a shotgun and a bush jerk and a bush. <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that's a threat. That was back during the George W. Bush era when we thought <laughs> I was the worst president possible. <laughs> you know, yeah, if we'd have known what we knew now. Exactly. It's like being a, it's like someone being like, ah, I missed my uncle that just molested me. <laughs> not this new uncle who fucking psychologically tortures me and uh makes me sell uh makes me sell makes me try and sell his book door to door he's got a self-published book of novels uh of novellas he sell them then i gotta come back then i gotta get molested <laughs> i wish that, what happened to the guy that just molested me and then got it pretend like it didn't happen but um <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's a lot. It's like that. Yeah, that's a lot. But um, yeah, we would go to uh, that open mic. I just remember so many Texan jokes up front, but we go to that open mic and all the big Houston guys at the time would be there. 
uh, like Mike McRae, who, uh, who I lives in Austin now, I believe. Uh, I still, I've seen that guy around quite a bit still. Uh, Sam Damaris. I remember that guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always hilarious, but like I, I, Rob Mungle, I remember was the guy that when like they called his name, like a path cleared, oh, you know, wow. <laughs> and, and, like, and like people just like back. It was almost like like a a, a bejeweled prince was going on stage, away <laughs> and like he went on stage and clearly like it was you know it was one of those mics where it was like it would go for hours and they'd get all the newbies out of the way and then let the fucking hot shots go up and you know crush it do whatever they wanted for longer sets and rob was one of those guys and he was always like i just it was just crazy because he was like when i thought of houston back then i thought of that guy yeah i haven't seen in like a decade i probably haven't i've i don't even think we've never talked we've never exchanged words him and i that's wild he he, so him him and sam are doing my show next weekend on November 7th and I'm, I'm hitting him up right now. I'm like, he's talking about you right now. He's like, I hope it's all good. And I'm like, man, it's the highest <laughs> yeah. praise. Jump online. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I remember it being like, that guy was the, that guy was the king. The guy, I remember, he, I remember. What happened to him? Not <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, there was this one thing. So it was Rob Mungle, Sam Damaris, th- this other guy who doesn't do comedy anymore. I believe his name was Ben Mowbray. Hmm. Ask him if that was his name. Ben Mowbray, I think was his name. And then one other guy who I can't remember, I'm sorry, but they came to New Orleans once as this thing called the Whiskey Brothers. Oh, yep. yeah. Right? Which was a, if for those, yeah. Now we're getting some, <laughs> now we're getting some Mongol interaction. This te- Texans logo is a jock strap. There you go. There it is. And then fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they would come to New Orleans as the Whiskey Brothers, which was a take on the Rat Pack. So it would just be, you know, but they were all comedians doing sets and they'd like interrupt each other and then do the sets some more. And it was great. But they were the problem was that they were all drinking real whiskey on stage. <laughs> the Rat Pack, if you look into it historically, they were drinking apple juice. Oh, and wow. Ending to be fucked up. So the Whiskey Brothers, by like the third person sets, were all like, <laughs> do a fucking bit, you piece of shit. Hilarious. All of us young comic, all of us young New Orleans guys go be like, oh, we got to see these Whiskey Brothers. And like the first like half hour of the show is like, God, they're so good. And by like the end of it, we're like, I mean, is this comedy? You just get fucking hammered. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we can do that, too. But um, yeah, started New Orleans. Then Katrina happened. Uh, I had decided to leave earlier that year. And then the storm happened. Then it was just like, uh, what I don't. What is reality? What is life? What the fuck? I don't even yeah. know what to prepare. That's almost why Katrina was a microcosm of what the pandemic is now. Mm. Why I have hope because I've been through a smaller version of this before yeah. where it seemed hopeless and seemed like life was never going to be operating at a, a speed you're used to again. And it's, I can honestly say the city of New Orleans is in a better place because it went through Katrina. Yeah. And hopefully it's going to be the same way for the U S but, um, uh also fuck trump but um the 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 what was it oh yeah but then i i I moved to la for a year and that was where i kind of got a a dose of like what comedy really is because you know going to la it was like oh shit everyone's fucking hilarious like i went from new orleans where i was in like the top percentile of comics that actually was funny only because there was only maybe six of us who were actually trying to do it for real the other and comics in New Orleans were a complete fucking weekend warrior. You know what I'm saying? They were like in their all in their 40s and 50s, all like professionals, uh, teachers, engineers. We had two doctors um, and who would dip in on Tuesday nights to do comedy to vent demons. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm fucking funnier than Doc Raj. It's like, oh, <laughs> doctor, you mean the neurosurgeon? who does a ghetto character on stage. <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. You're comparing, you're comparing yourself to Joe Lee, the edge of Cajun. This fucking, this woman would go on stage. She's like, I'm from Louisiana. And she'd be all Cajun up. 
and she'd get on stage and she'd have a newspaper and be like, did y'all read about this here? <laughs> and then she'd mispronounce a word. And then there would be a guy in the audience who was a plant, was her husband slash writing partner, who would be like, hey, that's not how the word's pronounced. And she'd be like, oh, yes, it is, darling. And she'd give the Cajun version of the word, you know, just the position. <laughs> Caucasian. It's a Caucasian, which means it's half caught. That's why it's white and half Asian. You know, and and, and those were the best. Uh, that wasn't one of hers. I just I came up with it's good. Might go in the act. Might go in the act. But her and her husband were fucking, I think, a principal and a vice principal in like you know, ham in Louisiana or something. They had like real fucking, they were, and so that was like who we were doing comedy with in New Orleans. And then like a crew of us who were like fucking 20, you know, we're all 22 and like fucking smoking cigarettes being like these fucking hacks. And it's like, yeah, because for them it's a hobby. They're just trying to like have fun. And we're all like, they don't know comedy. And then we up and, you know, we're so young still and be like, oh, what, you guys can't handle you know, you can't handle real jokes about how. What if your balls could act <laughs> you? Like, what if your what if your balls were female? <laughs> how would they feel about having to like delegate the sperm? Really? <laughs> oh, what, you guys don't get that shit. <laughs> and then, like, next up, Bo- Bobby the the Bobby the basketball coach, and it'd be like a guy going up, be like, "Hey guys," and it was all basketball jokes. And that guy's actually a basketball coach. I'm at Louisiana. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> when I moved to L.A., that's when it was like, oh, now here's the top six guys from everywhere. Top mm-hmm. that, top 60 guys. And that was fucking intimidating. That was like when the idea of like, you know, that, that's when I like was like, oh, you have to go to a, an open mic every night. Mm. And then I started doing that. And then like that's where I met like Kyle Kinane and um, shit. That's all I remember. No, okay. <laughs> I met, that, that's the only guy who was nice to me. That's the thing. I met a lot of comics back then, but mm-hmm. Kyle was the only guy who was like, Hey man, like a nice enough guy. Pre this was pre beard cigarette smoking Kyle Kinane, which if you know Kyle now, he's he, it's almost like he invented the beard <laughs> and he doesn't smoke cigarettes. But back when I met him, he was shaving face, fucking caddy hat, you know, kind of that, that like Kyle kind of like always looks stoned, even though he doesn't really ever. He's like, he's just ripping down cigarettes. Like, hey, man, for you bit. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Are you, can you give me a ride? Or, <laughs> oh, no, you're not. Gabby, you're not. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have some information? Uh, is this a film noir situation? But um, doing it that in LA for a year was, I don't know, that was sort of like not a wake up call, but just sort of like a, I'd been doing it for four and a half years in New Orleans. I'd gotten comfortable as a comedian, being on stage, et cetera. It was L.A. that made me really be like, fuck. Okay, okay. You got like, this is a daily, everyday thing. So then, like, I did that in L.A. for a year. And then I was, I liked it. I was enjoying it. I, I didn't love L.A. as a city, but I loved being a full, like, a doing comedy every night. And, like, the comedy scene was great. And then... Um, and it was crazy back then because now the store, the comedy store is like this heralded thing in L.A. And it's great. You know, it's a it's a great place. But back when I was there, the store was like dead. No one was. It seemed like no one was doing this. It was all about UCB and all about the bar shows. Mm. And, you know, so I was you doing all those where like and I and I know like the, the store is definitely competitive as hell. And there's a lot of great comedians there. But I almost feel like I wish I had something like that back in L.A. just because it gave you some sort of map. Mm -hmm. Back when I was there, it was just sort of like, you got to be good, good enough to get on one of these shows. Then once you get on one of these shows, you got to kind of stay on these. I don't we don't really know. Just be good. Just be funny. Like, you know, I mean, I, I know that's that's also the rules of comedy at the comedy store, too. But there wasn't just this one central place back then. It was just sort of scattered in all parts of the city. But after being there for a year this last minute opportunity opened up for me to move to New York for extremely cheap. That was it. It was just extremely cheap. My friend was like, Hey, do you want to move to, I'm, I'm leaving my apartment in New York and the rent is $420 a month flat. 
Wow. Does that come with stabbing or no stabbing? Uh, <laughs> no actual room. It wasn't a, it was oh. a cubicle built in a fucking apartment. Okay. That makes more sense. Let me pause. Let me pause real quick, Sean, to reflect on a few things you said, because uh, for like a newer comic, that scenario you explained where none of the comics are nice to me is, a, is, is quite a reality. And I think it's really refreshing for, for you to say that, you know, there's only one that was nice to me and, you yeah. know, looking back, it was Kyle Kinane. And, and so that, that, I think that's helpful for comics. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that you, you kind of mentioned is that you wish that there was a, there was sort of a home base uh, for you, like the comedy store um, was now. And actually I think it was a Jeff Dye drew who said something similar that it, and it sounds like he all came yeah. up around the same time, same kind of, uh, <clears throat> it wasn't what it wasn't what it is today. Uh but uh, but I think establishing that home base is can be really helpful, and kind of having your home club established sounds important. Seems like it would be important. Yeah, I mean, and I'll say to, I'll say to younger comics too. It's not that it's not that people are being dicks to you. It's that everyone is insecure. Even the funniest guy on the mic, even the funniest girl on the mic, even the funniest person in the comedy scene that you're in now, they are still insecure. And it's not that everyone hates you, unless you're a piece of shit. Unless you're then just everyone hates you <laughs> fucking trying to finger blast your way to the top or, <laughs> or is that a, wait, is that a valid strategy? I feel like there are some people who think it is. I feel like there are some people like I'm not going to fuck my way to the top because I have a tiny penis that I'm ashamed of, which turns me into this human. Uh, just get a finger blast. Really. But, um, no, like there's, yeah, like this, there's also there's a lot of nervousness going on in comedy. Like it's even at the, even at an upper, even at like a topper, a bigger a topper, a bigger tier. Like you still are like, oh man, that famous comedian hates me. Doesn't want to be anywhere around us. I don't know what we did to them. But let's just walk away. And then you like, then they go on stage, and then afterwards they're very nice to everyone. You're like oh, it's because you're in your head. Even at, even famous, even you, famous comedian who's everyone's already here to see and you're and that's amazing. And you make money and I've been a fan of you forever. You're still like before you go on, you know, and it can, yeah. it can read to some people as also don't try and talk to comedian, famous comedians before they go on. I've seen that so many times where it's like, yeah. oh Hey, Bill Burr, I'm a huge fan. And, and Bill's like, yeah, I'm about to go on stage. So be a huge fan from out there for a moment, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so when you so you moved to you did the LA you get, finally got into to New York oh yeah, yeah I moved to I moved you were to, already like sounds like you were already doing well your 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 comedy comedy act was was already pretty strong because you were you know you had years of of doing well what was that first thing that got you like I don't know some publicity or some TV what was that first step in I mean when I, yeah when I got when I got to New York get, that was the thing if LA made me realize I had to go on stage every night. New York made me realize I had to go on stage every hour. Not mm-hmm. really, but made me realize I had to be on stage multiple times a night. Mm-hmm. Um, that, be, that, was, that, that was the door that was opened up when I got to New York. Where I was like, oh, shit. Because you could do one or two open mics a night in L.A., but it was hard. And yeah. New York, it was like, oh, fuck, I could go four or five open mics a night. And it's relatively doable. Wow. Um, and then the same thing it show, with show. It's why I prefer to live in New York now over L.A. I got no beef with that. L.A. is a wonderful place, but like wonderful ish place but uh, <laughs> but like new york it's like oh yeah i mean you know p- p- pandemic lifted hopefully but like you could get on stage five times a night in new york and it's not a hassle it's sort of just like you do your shit and it's great and you can do 20 to 30 spots a week and you're like yeah this is life in new york city i love that now, but do you the- think you could could you do that as as Sean Patton, the great comedian, or what about a newbie or someone who's just been getting into it? What's possible? I'll put you like this, man. I'll put you like this, and this is the fucking God's honest truth. Uh, I, I, I'll, I will go and do shows like bar shows and shows in you know a lot. I'll do any fucking spot anybody people offer me if I can. I love stage time, but I'll show up to these shows sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know any of you. Mm. Right, multiple times a week, this will happen. Where it's like I don't know any of these comedians, wow. and then there's comedians there that they're hanging out with. So like the New York comedy scene is so fucking big that if you have the ability and the drive, you can yes, you can definitely get up multiple times. It's the quality of show will be less. Right. You know? <laughs> a newbie's not going to get on stage on the same fucking twenty shows as Michael Che is. 
You know what I mean? But yeah, but like you're gonna, you're, you can get the stage time. There's a lot, but the thing that, yeah, I mean, to, when I got to New York, the clubs weren't really that open to what they called alt comics back then. I don't think it was really a thing. Like Reggie Watts is an alternative comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, what, what, what we all did, we just weren't fucking club comics. We were bar guys. But the first thing that, I mean, getting Montreal, the comedy fest. Sure. Helped. Um, but I don't think that festival is what it was like, and that's no offense to the fest itself, but like, uh, it's just, you know, back then it was like the, the internet wasn't what the internet is now. Like YouTube mm-hmm. was around obviously, but people weren't making careers off of it. Uh, social media, you had MySpace. you know, it wasn't like it Twitter wasn't really mm-hmm. a thing yet, you know, like Instagram didn't exist yet. So like back then you really kind of had to like, just be great as you, as great as you could and push the industry to, to pay attention to you. And even when it happened, they, it still didn't mean shit. That was the most fucking heartbreaking thing about it all was like, you'd get to these milestones. You're like, when I got Montreal, you're like, yes. And then you go and I did well on new faces. And it was like, holy shit, holy shit. And then it was just nothing for two years after that. Wow. You know? And people still would be like, yeah, but you just did Montreal. And you're like, what do you think that means? <laughs> you think now I can just walk into any network and be like, give me, give me a TV show. Give me a two film deal. Uh, also put me on the road for 26 weeks. Uh, A-list clubs only. And uh, yeah, I'm good. And whatever else you want to throw at me, I'm open for. Like, no, they still just kind of like hip pocket you and earmark you and just like, all right, you know. So we'll get to you when we get to you. And then you get another milestone. They pay a little more attention. Um, you know, then I got live at Gotham in 2009, long time ago. And you think like, oh, my God, I got a TV credit now. And it's like, yeah, no one gives a shit. And then I got Fallon like a few months later when it was still late night with Jimmy Fallon. And it was like, holy fuck. And I got to like ex- had an exchange with fucking with, with, uh, with Black Thought from the Roots. You know, while on stage, and it was fucking hilarious. And it was great. And then you're like, I just did late night. And then they're like, we still don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, everyone's like, yeah, this is a, and they'll treat you like you're the next fucking, you know, George Carlin. They'll treat you that way. In the industry. They'll be like, oh, my God, you're we're literally so excited to be around you. You know, and you're like, oh, my God, literally like the way it's really de- defined. And, like, <laughs> and then they're on their Blackberries or talking to their fucking assistant. And so what's it, the what's the where, where do you go then if the if if it feels like these big credits that would blow people's minds uh, in, in 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 theory what what's what do you do then if those aren't really the the big stepping stair steps I, I mean okay I I will say I existed at a point I still exist good good <laughs> really glad for that there was a chunk of the time where it was just like uh, I was in this period where we were like I feel like the whole scene was transitioning out of in like big industry moments and into what it is now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do it. It's all DIY now. Gotcha. It's all artisanal DIY comedy. That's what comedy is now. Accept it and you'll be happier. And it's, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, but I was in that transitional period where a lot of my peers handled it way better than I did. You know, I focused way too long, way too hard on the material, which you should do. I, I still believe, I still stand by that. You should be great. You should focus your goddamn energy on the material. It has to be good to sustain. For, but but you should also find a way, tap into yourself and find that reservoir to focus on being your own manager now. Because that's what you are. Like uh, the internet, man. Like be posting constantly. You know what I mean? Like put yourself on social media. Content. I used to hate that fucking word. I was like, it's art. You know what? It's content. And maybe let the content become art, you know, but like you've got to put yourself and your you've got to push yourself and you've got to put it all like if I if the, the, the amount of comedians that your listeners and you know that are fucking massively successful right now that the industry never gave a shit about would I mean, if if you listed that off, you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Wow, you're right. There are so many like great comedians who are so huge right now on Patreon, on YouTube, their podcasts, on Instagram, who the industry just fucking ignored for years. Mm, Yeah. You know what I mean? And now it's like, yeah, you don't, you kind of don't need them to be honest. You really don't. Like if you have the drive and the savvy online, which, and that's my weakness. Like 
my online savvy, I'm trying to get better about it. I work real fucking hard on it, but like, it's important, man. And it's, yeah. if you can put yourself out there, you don't need to even think about it. You, I don't even think you need to, if you're in a good comedy scene, you could just do it from there. That's a really inspiring, I think for, for everybody and, and a good lesson, right? So, so focus on the material and a great time to transition to writing, but yeah, uh, but you've got these tools and you can, you can bypass more or less industry and I'm glad you were vulnerable enough to say, Hey man, I was, I, I kind of should have done this earlier and I'm working on it. So thank you oh, for, yeah. for sharing uh, <laughs> a little bit, a little yeah. bit. But, but I, but I can't, we, we, we won't let you off the hook with that. You know, you, you've got to be funny first. So let's, let's dive into it, man. Uh, let's dive into writing. There's a question we ask all of our guests and it's very open-ended. Uh, how does Sean Patton write comedy? Oh man. Um, I actually, I actually, uh, my brother-in-law is, a um, a, a, he owns a pound. And whenever I come up with a new bit, I he give, he have a key to the pound. So I come back into town. I'll, I'll, I'll just stockpile new bits. I come back into town and I try out my material on the dogs. And if I can make them laugh, it's a keeper. That's not good. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, I mean, I think, you know, like, I think the way, you know, I, I haven't, I have in my phone, I used to, I still have notebooks, but like, I've, uh, you know, just in your iPhone. I just have like a doc list where I just, whenever I come up with an idea, just, bop, bop, you know, write it. By the way, look at that. If you can see what it says, my screensaver. Record all your sets. Yeah. Nice. Because I forget sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, dude, I can't, I can't fucking stress that right now. If you're a younger comic, I cannot fucking stress this enough. I wish I would have been doing this for a decade now. Re record every single fucking set you do and listen to it. Just do it. I know you hate the sound of your own voice. I know it's awkward sometimes and it makes you want to cringe and you love that bit, but then you hear yourself doing it. You're like, ah, oh, fuck this bit. I know. And if you love the sound of your own voice, you're probably a shit comedian. You're going to hate yourself in five minutes. <laughs> I know. It's fucking awkward. You're like, oh, God, that's me. But do it because eventually you won't hate the sound of your own voice and you'll start to pick up little like, oh, wait a second. Maybe I should... Maybe I should come out of the gate a little fucking colder and then heat up instead of just blasting the audience with a fucking premise so loud and so fierce that they didn't understand what I said. So that when I get to the punchline, they're just confused. It's not that they're not laughing at me because they don't think I'm good. It's that they didn't hear what the fuck I said because I came out. Oh, <laughs> it will help immensely. It will change your fucking life. Anyway, so I record an idea. Um, I have obsessive compulsive disorder, so it's very hard for me to focus my thoughts on one thing for very long. Mm. So, like I know some comedians who never actually sit down and write bits out. And I'm very envious of that. I have to sit down sometimes on my computer. A lot of times I like I like writing. I the, the lost the lost art of handwriting. I have it. I love doing it. Mm. I love it. I fucking have beautiful handwriting. I swear to God. Um I will write a bit out on paper, word for word. Like as I'm thinking, I'll fucking just dump it on paper and then read back over it and just sort of like find the moments that work. They're like, okay, this is, this is all it. And that's what I remember when I bring it on stage for the first time. And I, every bit you ever see me do on stage, I'd say is probably mostly written on paper and then refined on stage. Hmm. Um, and on the instance, I kind of have a rule and it's fucking, I don't know. It works for me. If I ever write something on stage and that, that happens, you, you get on stage, you say a fucking line. It's hilarious. You remember it. You say it again. It works even better. Now you've added another couple words to it or a whole line. Like, Oh my God, that's a bit. Those bits. If I write them on stage, I never write them down on paper. Part of my OCD. We can, uh, that's a whole different podcast. Speaking um, of, speaking of you going on stage, what what do you do? Uh, we always ask comedians what what's your what's your process as you prepare for a set and and when you actually take those last moments before you step on stage. I mean, truthfully, man, if I it's hard to do this, but I like to be alone, a hundred percent alone, for the half hour before I go on and the half hour as soon as I get off. Oh, wow. Regardless of how I did, if I bomb or I kill, it doesn't matter. 
Like I, mm. I, I'm a pr- I get pretty vulnerable on stage. I get pretty open. So like, I need to kind of like prepare myself before I go on and then like seal myself back up when I get mm. on. So what happens on that? What, what does that preparation uh, feel like or look like when you're, when you're trying to prepare to step on stage? The preparation, I swear to God, looks like I just ripped ass and I'm trying to hide from it. <laughs> if you ever see me at a show, it's like, oh, he just farted and he's trying to <laughs> escape from it, but make it look like he's not escaping from it. I'm actually in my head, like cementing what I'm about to do on stage. Yeah. Um, and afterwards, you wouldn't know what it looks like because I'm trying to completely avoid you. Like, I don't. It, it, good God. Sometimes some, so I know some comedians are fantastic about getting off stage and immediately diving into the audience, just going out there and greeting everyone and high five and hugging and taking pics. I'm fucking horrible about that. I'm actually pretty shy. I don't want to talk to anyone for at least at least a half an hour because you know, it's, it's like, I need to, I need to like, what's it called? I need to carterize. Yeah. It makes sense. The giant gash I just did in my chest, which not really. I don't. I don't actually cut myself on stage. <laughs> Good to know. There's a guy out of Jersey who does that, though. It's, I mean, he's pretty funny. It's cool. <laughs> do you? Are you a set list guy? What do you? What do you? When it comes to set list, is it just whatever happens happens, or do you have like a, a set thing in your head with with the OCD? I figure it might you might have some pretty specific things that you like to work. Uh, I, uh, no, I, I make a set. List. I definitely. I mean, I, I, I'll show you if you don't mind. Um, yeah. In my phone. Again, uh, if you can, I'll show. You. I uh, I don't know how well you can see this, but sure, yeah. It's like let me get to let me get to. It's been a minute before, but you can see here. Like it's just like like each date. There's dates. Sure. There's sets. So like I just I'll make a set list in my phone, but I will never stick to it. It's, gotcha. it's inevitable. Like it's it's it, what I'm putting down is like hey these are the it's like a party you know it's like hey we've got the punch and we've got the keg and there's a cake and there's a crawfish and there's some chips, but they're all going to mix. You know what I yeah. mean? Like next thing you know, like people have put fucking the, keg, the punch is now spiked. The cake is gone. I don't even know where it fucking went. The chips have now, somebody's brought guacamole. Where did guacamole come from? And the keg's floated, but you know, <laughs> there's a new keg. It's a completely different keg. Yeah. So it's like, I know whatever I set up is going to get fucking screwed around, but that's the, that's kind of, it's, to me, a set list is less of a script and more of just like an inventory of tools that you want to use for that specific set. Awesome. And I also, like, you know, I find it's very important, even with, for me personally, even with my like A game shit, even with my like, I know this kills, I'm still always tinkering with it when I find the time to, just because you, it, it can always be better. Until you record it and release it, it can always be better. Even if it's perfect. It's never perfect. And if it's perfect, if you think you've got a perfect bit, then probably uh, a piece of shit bit. <laughs> it's probably perfect because you don't want to admit that it could be better. Like everything can be just one word more, one word less, one extra fucking line, one less line, one acceleration of pronunciation, one change of the way you say a word. It's like everything can always be String. It's like a haircut, and then sometimes the hair grows, and you got to trim it a little bit, or you want to let it grow out a little bit more, and you got to style it. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's always be tinkering with your material. It's it's worth it. That's a that's a Absolutely. great analogy with the haircut. Yeah. Thousands of hairs here, uh, and, and and getting them all to to work into one cohesive thing is. Well, also well, the, bit about, the bit we're gonna play. Like, I want to say that, like the um it, the the idea for this bit. I came up with maybe 11 years ago. Oh, wow. And I did it a couple of times on stage, maybe like a handful of stages, maybe a little bit more. But I did it back then, and it just never felt good. It just wasn't working the way I wanted mm. it to. So I just sort of like shelved it and forgot about it. And then this Comedy Central, you know, these this Comedy Central uh, Comedy Cellar show, it was legit like they'd give you some topics a couple of days before. And be like, if you can hit some of these topics, go for it. If not, uh, you know, don't worry about it. It was a suggestion. It was just like, you know, this is what's going on in the world right now. If you have any material that relates to this or you want to try out, you know, that's what's so great about that show. The amount of new shit that you were seeing on TV. Wow. The amount of bits that people are doing for like the first time. 
uh, that like just worked in the moment because it was it was topical enough that ended up on TV it was great. But they hit it was something about they um, that week or something. A dog had been elected mayor, and it just kind of like, <laughs> oh my god, the fucking bit, the fucking bit that I could never quite fucking make work. <gasps> and then I just sat down and like, and I was at a bar. I was at a bar between sets. I had done a set at the stand, and I was heading to the cellar to film this. And I was like, fuck, I still don't know. Like, I'm still, my sense is sort of, and I was just at this bar, like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And I had my notebook and I was like, I had a, I remember I had an Irish coffee. I had fucking the bartender. He's like, I can't, we can't serve Irish coffee, but I give you a shot and I give you a coffee. I'm like, great. And I was fucking sitting there just like shot of whiskey, sipping coffee. And just, it was this, this is why I say never kill your babies. I've heard this so many times, older comedians giving younger comedians advice. If it doesn't work out, let it go. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. If you think it's funny, I don't care if it bombs for fucking five years straight. If you think it's funny, if you believe in your fucking comedy art that this idea you came up with is funny, save it. Never kill it. Put it somewhere. Always have it ready to go because you never fucking know. A dog might get elected mayor in Vermont. think about that that could have been a thing a comedian could have told me like kid this is only ever going to be funny if a dog gets elected (laughs) into a municipal position of the court oh you might as well fucking move on all right you're you're right you're right rumbling joe dixon or whatever your fucking comedian whatever is fucking that's a lost thing of comedians putting like like i'm rumbling steve Irwin or (laughs) gary crane or whatever but just never kill your babies because that bit it took a while and i know there's i got shit from so many other comedians being like are you wait did you do an air bud joke i'm like you know what it fucking works in the context Anyway, sorry. Yeah. That's perfect. Let's play. I, Drew, there's no better way to set it up than that. So I'm yeah, going to go ahead and play this bit from the Comedy Central's, uh, I think it's live at the Comedy Cellar. There we go. In Fairhaven, Vermont, a dog was elected mayor. <laughs> a dog was elected mayor. That makes you think that maybe those Air Bud films were based in true events. <laughs> You know, you got to think about it. There's five of them, if you're not familiar with the Air Bud films. Five films about a dog that plays sports. And up until now, I was like, that's ridiculous. But I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, dogs can do a lot. I mean, think about it. The first Air Bud film, self-titled, just Air Bud. He plays basketball in that one, right? And it's not like he's LeBron, you know what I mean? Like, he can't dribble at all. <laughs> He's useless on defense. He's just a perimeter shooter. They just, he just hangs out by the three-point line. They bounce him the ball. He hits it with his nose. It goes in like half the time. It's not, you know what I mean? They're not trying to say he's a star, but that film's about heart, you know? Then Air Bud 3. That one's titled Air Bud World Pup. Exactly. He's playing soccer now, which makes total sense if you think about it. What's the one rule of soccer? You can't use your hands. Dogs don't have hands or arms. They got four legs and a tail. They're soccer machines. You know, you put a dog in Premier League or La Liga right now, they could start, I bet. Then you skip ahead, Airbud 4, Airbud 7th inning fetch. Now we're talking baseball. At first, you're like, well, come on, but no, 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 he's not pitching. He's running the bases. Dogs are good at running bases. Also, batting, not that difficult for a dog, turns out. The musculature of the dog neck is quite impressive. He just stands at the plate with the bat in his mouth, right? Pitcher throws a fucking curveball. Air Bud just, bang, triples, you know? Just, just line drives all day. Timing and everything. He's got it down. Air Bud 5. Air Bud spikes back. It's a volleyball movie, and at that point, you know, he probably aged out of any competitive sport, for being honest. I mean, I'm sorry, it's just, Air Bud 5 is basically just the original Air Bud, but he's in a bikini. It was a cash grab, we can admit that. Now, you notice I skipped over Air Bud 2, Golden Receiver. 
Now this is the one I have a problem with, because now Air Bud's playing football. Okay. Okay, you telling me you got a dog that's gonna line up at wideout, stand completely still behind the line of scrimmage before the ball is snapped. That's to not draw a false start penalty, right? And then the quarterback's gonna call an audible. And the dog is gonna understand the new play. There are football players who play football half their lives who don't know all the plays. They gotta wear a cheat sheet on their wrist, but the dog is gonna understand the new play and know to go into motion, run to the other side of the formation, line up in the slot. And then once the ball is snapped, he's gonna know, run a 10 yard button hook, catch the giant football in his tiny ass dog mouth. And then have the wherewithal to get the first down, then get out of bounds to stop the clock before the two minute warning. That is bullshit. That is bullshit. I did, there's no way a dog, I, no way. At least that's what I thought. Till the dog was elected mayor. His story will be told as well. Airbud Six, Saint Bernie. It was in Vermont. Come on. No, all right. Uh, Airbud Six, Sheba incumbent. No, okay, all right. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, Airbud Six, Mayoral. Sit. 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 Right? Imagine it. It opens. It's at the end of his first term. He's holding a rally because he's running for re-election. And all his supporters are shouting, 28 more years! 28 more years! 28 more years! 28 more years! Dog years! You motherfuckers! Oh! Okay, you're... Yeah. All right? Maybe I fucking suck at my job. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe Air Bud should come do stand-up. I don't think we're that far away from that. We'd probably crush it. <laughs> Would be so much more successful than me. They'd make a movie about him as well. Air Bud 7, Great Dane Cook. <laughs> it's about an up-and-coming comedian who who wins a big stand-up competition, defeating his arch nemesis, Cat Williams. There it is. There it is. There it is. Wow. Oh, man. So, so getting the context of that, it makes this even way more funnier, uh, knowing that you didn't probably have a lot of that back half written until, sounds like that night. Yeah, I mean, I mean the first, like, Having a dog elected mayor really like immediately because before years ago when I was trying to get him to be on board with that bit, it was just a fucking guy rambling about Air Bud films. You know, yeah. it was just like, OK, man, fine. Yeah, you did it crazy. But because it happened in reality, it was like, OK, they all suspended their disbelief. And like, we'll go along for this journey. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know, like I love I don't I'm not saying this is the best advice. In fact, this is not the things I'm going to say from here on out for the rest of this podcast. I'm not saying this is the best advice to young comedians. What I am saying is this is what I love to do for myself as a comedian. Um, I leave little potholes for myself all the goddamn time. I leave little opportunities to trip and fall all over the place. Mm. And I don't mean literally. I don't mean I fucking, you know, <laughs> I don't mean like, all right, put a little, put some Crisco over here on this side of the page. <laughs> <laughs> I metaphorically leave little potholes and little trip ups just because like, I think that is fun as fuck as a comedian, these little moments where you back yourself into a corner and yeah. have to fight your way out of it. And I also, as an audience member, love watching <laughs> comedians do that. Yeah. You know, like Bill Burr is arguably my favorite, like living comedian right now. And I don't think he does it on purpose. I don't think he tries to back himself in the corners, but he's just got such a fucking crystallized opinion like this is how he thinks and he yeah. will say what he says on stage and there's so often when you watch him live especially where the audience is just completely fucking <laughs> overwhelmed by what he just said and watching him convince them in his Bill Burr way like no you heard exactly what I said and, <laughs> funny, and here's why is 
uh, it's so awesome. It's so fucking great to watch and it makes it funnier. So I like, I don't know. I like tripping myself up a little bit and leave. I like leaving opportunities to fall flat because sometimes the fun is how you fall. That's the biggest thing about comedy. Comedy's not supposed to be cool. I, that's something that will piss me off forever when comedians get on stage and are more concerned with looking cool and slick uh, than being funny. Like, it's like, they're trying to like, they'd rather be on stage and look like they're in control and look like they know a thousand percent what's going on and look like they just confidently fucking burped up these fucking bits right before they got on stage after eating some pussy back there. <laughs> like this just shit just comes to me. And that's just not, fucking how it is for anyone and i know you can rattle off a list of comedians who pull it off who make it look like that's what it is but it's not they work as hard as anyone else and they do it and they nail like but point being i just fucking i think there's something to still be said about being like hey we're all fucking comedians up here like we're all making you laugh and sometimes the best way to fucking remind you about laughter is to fuck up myself to remind you like, Hey, this isn't this honed, like, uh, I mean, it's honed, but like, this isn't this, like it's comedy. I'm here to make you laugh. And sometimes I've got to shake the whole goddamn situation to remind everyone what it is. Mm. And then we can move on enjoying, you know, the written stuff, but like leaving little opportunities to fucking fall to just, Whoa, Right? We're good, right? Right? Everyone saw that? I know. Okay. I fuck you. Fuck you. What? You never fall? You never fucking fall down? Fuck you. And then you go off on another tangent, which is what the end of that bit is. Like, it doesn't work unless I get angry. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it makes it a true conversation between, it feels, it feels like a true conversation between you and the audience because when their laughter is a little smaller, you're like, oh, oh, no, no. Okay, fine. And you reset and it's like, it's perfect. And there's so many small things in this bit. Like I, I would say even just the way that you say air bud, like, Typically, it's Air Bud, and every time you say it, it's like Air Bud, <laughs> it's just like oh, yeah. those little those little things just like catch. Air I bud. think are are funny, and yeah. the, the batting act out is like the best. They'll just that little neck twitch is like so funny. Just yeah, a, a small little act out just like makes that whole thing. The crowd just erupts when you turn your head. It's like this such a small act out with such a big impact. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I often, and I say this, I've said this before, but like, uh, I mean it. Like, I think that the key to, the, the, to me, comedy is about being funny. And there is a very, very big difference between being funny and killing. And I feel like mm-hmm. this is something that a lot of comedians, you conflate the two. And that's great. Like, if, if, if done right, they do intertwine into one beautiful thing. But for the most part, I think a lot of comedians go on stage with the goal of killing. Mm. But the thing about killing is that that's not the hard part. You know, there's a path to killing. There's there's a sort of like you can kill by numbers. There's a sort of like you can go on stage and talk. You can crowd work or, uh, you know, watch the comedian before you get the temperature of the room and see what it is and kind of like placate to the audience a little bit. You can kill. Being funny is hard. Being funny where you go on stage with your original ideas and your original presence and and be truly in the moment and have a conversation where you're really just 100% being the comedian you, that shit is fucking difficult. And sometimes it doesn't always kill, but it will kill eventually. It it, it doesn't, or it doesn't kill in the moment is what I'm saying. Like sometimes the audience isn't like, ha! (laughs) It might just be like, ha, ha, ha. But here's the thing. You're going to be the comic they remember when the show's over. Yeah. Right. And if sometimes if you are 100 percent you and it works in the fucking moment, then it ah, then it kills and it's beautiful. And those are the moments you should always strive for. But I I equate it to a night of drinking. OK, killing is getting shit faced <laughs> and uh, being funny is having a good time. Like so. It's easy to get shit face. Just go to the fucking bar and just keep going. Fireballs, keep them coming. And then <laughs> you're fucking waxed and you're vomiting and you're 100% shit faced. You piss your pants. But then you wake up the next morning. You don't really remember it. It's not worth it. But, but if you go out 
have a night where you have a couple drinks. You make you have a great conversation with the bartender. You make some new friends. You guys get into it because it turns out you grew up uh, in the same town and never met. Uh, you get a phone number. You end up making out with someone in the bathroom. Uh, you know, you do a little cocaine. You go back in the bathroom, end up having sex with that person. <laughs> Yeah, you go, you have an idea for a fucking a business idea, and you write it down, and then you have a great conversation with the fucking cabbie, and you're like, hey, let's go to fucking Waffle House, and you buy them food, and then you got a new friend, and in the process, you've gotten shit faced. That's the magic. Yeah, and I think you're pretty much just describing my Thursday night. So I appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> I feel like that's how you should think about it with comedy. Like you're you should go into it like I'm going to be funny. I'm going to say what I I'm going to be 100% who I am. And if it kills, yeah. that's what it's worth it. But I just don't, I think the other way around, you just end up being forgotten mm-hmm. and kind of just going up there on autopilot and just being like, I must kill where it's like, no, I must be funny. And if it kills now we're talking. Spe- so great segue. Speaking of not being forgotten, uh, yeah. we've got our last segment, Sean, and it's called Last Laugh. This Drew, I have a new graphic. This might hit a little too real. <laughs> but okay. we play it. Is that too real? Uh, so, so Last Laugh works like this, Sean. Uh, you, you just got uh, sad. I know it is. I mean, it is a weird Halloween is weird this year. It's like weird to. It's a weird time to festoon one's yard with gravestone. That's it is. True. But the way the way it works is, man, uh, you've got to put it on your tombstone. You've got your last joke that you're going to be remembered by. What, what would it be for Sean Patton? Wait, if, if, uh, if for me, it would be I would just want to put a punchline. And the punchline would be, fuck you, clown. <laughs> you, guys, you guys know the clown joke? Yeah. Well, well I know. Is that, that's not Adam Sandler, is it? No, I don't know who it is, but it's just a joke. It's one of those jokes where the, there is no joke. The purpose is just to keep someone listening for as long as you possibly can. And then when you finally hit them with the punchline, the punchline is just, fuck you, clown. And, <laughs> and like 80% of the time, I, that was like my first joke I ever told. The first time I heard the clown joke, a yeah. friend told me in like the ninth grade, and I thought it was hilarious that he kept us all listening for like five to ten minutes. So that was like my thing as a kid. I'd be like, you know, the clown joke, right? And you, and it's one of those, it's, I, I'm not going to do it now. I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> the whole idea of the joke is just to keep the person listening with this bullshit story about a kid who was traumatized by a clown. You stretch it out for as long as you possibly can. The longest I've ever kept someone listening was 21 minutes. Oh, <laughs> oh my I remember, I remember looking at the clock behind them being like, okay. And I was just stretching it out. And that's the thing you get into like the fucking story story and the setups and you get really into that and they're laughing and enjoying that and then when you hit them with the punchline which is fuck you clown 80 percent of the time people are just like oh what seriously they're just angry or they just <laughs> look of like like they're just angry because you just wasted their time but the 20 percent that got it would die laughing like <laughs> Okay, which I think is a lot like most of my bits, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so yeah, but so on my on my punch on my grave, fuck you, clown. Love it. Dot dot dot. Fuck you, clown. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, let's 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 go ahead and wrap, Sean. We'd love to give uh, our, our listeners an opportunity to find you. Uh, anything you got going on? Any way they can get you get to you? Any shows coming up? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, let's see. I at, at at Mr. Sean Patton, which looks like Mrs. Ian Patton. I know. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, follow me on Instagram. That's the only of the social medias I give a shit about. I I can't do TikTok. It makes me want to. It makes me want to fight children. <laughs> and that's the saddest part because I'm like I can fuck most of these children up. I can beat the shit out of every one of these. And it's like yeah, I don't want to think that way. I hate that. So I don't don't no TikTok. Twitter makes me want to beat the shit out of adults. <laughs> and I'm like, I probably couldn't beat the shit out of most of these adults and I'd get hurt. But uh, Twitter is just a minefield of fucking of insecurity. Now I can't even deal with it. So, but Instagram, I, 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 produ- I do a lot of content on Instagram. Uh, my website is me, Sean I've got tour dates. I've got stuff coming up in December. I'm going to be in Atlanta, Chicago, Minneapolis, early next year uh in wisconsin and i mean as all these shows are socially distanced 
All of them are, you know, safe. Uh, and if you're watching right now live, I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana tonight at the Worst Beer Garden at 8 p.m. And Monday, uh, the eve of the election in New Orleans at the Broad City Theater. Both shows, again, outdoor distance. Monday, the second in New Orleans. Um, but just fucking support live comedy. We need it. If you're in Houston, support the fucking um, my boys at the Secret Group. Yeah. You know, they're supposed to be back next week, I think, is when we're coming back with the kitchen, by the way. So if you performed in the box last time you were here, that's now food. That's food now. It's going to be. All right. I'd still perform. I'd still prefer that room (laughs) (laughs) for the cooks. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I think every I think every city in America needs a needs a secret group like a a, a comic run venue. So there you go. Shout out right now to any young comic in some small town who's like, what can I do to make a better comedy scene? Open a comedy venue. Maybe not right now. <laughs> Give it a year and a half. 2022, but, maybe. Yeah. But also, you know, um, just be funny. Be funny and put yourself out there. And you never know. Like, people forget that Bo Burnham, who I fucking love, is a genius uh, in many fun ways. Brink. Uh, Bo Burnham, that's all, that's all he did was he just – Living at home in Massachusetts, just put his shit out online before yeah. there were online stars, you know, and that can happen if you really believe in what you're doing right now. This is the biggest audience you could have. Absolutely, man. Well thank, well, thank you so much for even saying yes to this podcast and sharing your insight on comedy and your writing and your experience uh, and your advice. Absolutely amazing episode with you. So just thank you again for your time today. Brian, Drew, I love you both. Thank you much. Uh, Both of those checks should clear today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Sean, for joining us. And next week we'll be back with Tom Takar. Hopefully you'll join us. And if you're interested in the open mic, please sign up, breakingdownbits at gmail.com. Y'all been great. Thanks, Sean. Thank Thank you. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website breakingdownbits.com or shoot us an email at breakingdownbits at gmail.com.